And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell, and sometimes in soccer, you know, you can feel like a dragged out affair, making you wish that you invested your time in something more productive in your life. And then there are 94-minute uh, dramatics that make it all worth it. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about Toronto FC's 2-2 thriller draw against Atlanta United at BMO Field. We'll talk referees and fan reactions to the decisions they make in stadium. Uh, and then we're going to get to this week's burning question presented by Nextdoor. Yes, Ooh, you heard that yeah. right. Yeah, we yep. have a sponsor. We're excited to have Nextdoor on board with us for the remainder of the 2023 season. We'll explain a little bit more later in the show. But for now, lots to dig into this week. Uh, with my co-host Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael Singh. Gents, how you doing? Mikey, how was Mexico? How was getting all that sun and coming back? And then, uh, you know, it's Canada again. Depressing. Absolutely <laughs> depressing. I think I want to be yep. here right now. <laughs> you want to be doing this like on the Riviera somewhere. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remote, remote um, no, it's from fun. the all-inclusive. It's funny. You guys were, uh, you guys were just poking fun at the fact that off air before we came on here that as soon as i left glorious glorious weather shining and as soon as i come back back to whatever the heck this is right now outside what the hell man it's supposed to snow tomorrow mikey i don't want to i don't want to bring down your vibe but yeah it's supposed to snow pick the tomorrow. perfect time yeah. to go away eh? yeah, yeah, yeah i know i picked the perfect like time to uh, switch out of my winters too and into my uh my regular tires so this uh, is true this is true there's not enough room in the closet so like the second the shorts come out everything else has to get packed away i need to find my parka again this is this is this is a big deal absolutely you need to get a bigger closet <laughs> yeah i need a bigger boat yeah we, we need a bigger boat, boat. Yeah. which is weird because like i i gotta i'm gonna try to get to uh, the game championship match uh forge against laval here um i gotta race back from toronto and see if i can get to it but if i do it's like you said it might be freezing rain uh, mm -hmm. for that game which is you know for those troopers that make it out to morton's field tomorrow or for any of the canadian championship games in uh, bad weather more power to you um, really quickly, um, uh, before we get into, uh, the show, I know we've been sort of on this food odyssey, um, the TTID food odyssey. It, it's been a, mm -hmm. a fun little thing and people have been really enjoying it. Um, latest in the food odyssey, latest update in the food odyssey. I tried Let's like go. a really good orzo and, um, air fried chickpea salad on this week. I made it and it is. Delicious. Oh, you made it good. Like, yeah. I made it. Yeah, I made it. I made it and buy it. Mm. Um, and I've got tons of it and it's just amazing. And that's it. That's really over. I just wanted to have a chance. We're, we're to, like, coming over. Yeah. I was going to go to Fatburger. It just uh, opened up finally at Bloor and Bathurst. It's an Albertan company. It looks pretty radical, but uh, it rained last night, so I ended up getting Rudy's again, so I have nothing new to report. Nah, <laughs> absolutely nah. nothing good. It's a solid choice. Rudy's is amazing. It's solid, yeah. solid. But like, I was going to get onion rings. So I was very, you know, Rudy's makes good fries, but I, I was promised onion rings and I was, I was very disappointed. So, you know, it was a sad fry eating experience because they should have been onion rings. Yeah. So we're all over the place right now in food corner. Mm -hmm. I, what I want to do 
and just because I came back from vacation, and I feel like just talk about Chicago. Yeah, it's now Mexico. We're switching, <laughs> um, switching mm. subjects, but I want to talk about what's your favorite like all inclusive beverage. Like you're going, oh, what's what's your what's your go to yeah. like laying by the beach drink at an all inclusive resort? Because I was talking to different people, got some different mm. options. I want to know what your what your read is on that. Um, okay, so for me, I'm always the pineapple liqueur and, and rum person. Like wow. I'm that guy that that wants to to double up. Um, but no, it's a uh, it's a good shout. Um, I also do like a pina colada. Like I'm, I know it's pretty basic um, in terms of sort of resort drinks, um, but that's sort of my go tos. I mean, in, in Cuba, it's a Cuba Libre, but uh, that's basically just a yeah. Coke with a little bit of that lime squirty thing that they put in it. Um, but no, those are those are kind of my go tos when I'm by you know the pool bar and just like make it easy, yeah. make it easy. I have tip down and get your get your drink. I've never been to an all-inclusive. I'm sure this is not a surprise to anybody. It's a very watching, entitled but, conversation that we're but, having. Uh, but uh, my open bar already. drink of choice would, would be, you know, whatever's the most expensive scotch. Uh, give it to me neat, maybe a little bit of, little bit of water. Um, but, uh, yeah, I also really like Hep C. So I would probably say give me a margarita, crushed ice, all the Hep C. Build the immunity. Myth, water. myth. Yeah. Myth gone a million and not been sick ever. Never been sick from a drink. At a I mean, not I like want, from I want a, crushed a ice. drink in yeah. a sense that I've, I've, I've been sick because I drank mm -hmm. too much, not necessarily because uh, of the drink itself. So, uh, yeah, at least I, mean, I don't sitting know. By, else but myth. Sitting by a pool, uh, give me a beer. Give me a beer. Give me a good porch Nothing beer. Wrong give with me a, yeah. Nothing wrong yeah. with Yeah. Give me a porch beer. Yeah. Yeah. A Bob, a a Bob Marley. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't Do think that. that's a drink, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack and Coke. Jack and Coke, some some classics. Tequila, tequila sunrise. sunrise, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't tequila sunrise like a Shirley Temple with booze in it? Because if so, I want one of those immediately. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. I'm not a bartender. I'm not I'm not, yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's close enough. It's got grenadine in it. <sighs> that's uh, that's the Bob Marley. A okay. grenadine oh. banana liquor. Liqueur, I guess that's what you call right. it. Liqueur. Um, creme creme what's, what's, okay, so what's your what's yours, Mikey? What did you what was yours? Yeah, yeah. Uh, your trip? So, so I had like a bit of a dilemma actually. So mm. my I I guess because I'm in Mexico and I'm on a beach and the sun's really hot, you're by the pool, you're by the ocean, you kind of want to go more tropical, right? So on occasion, I would have a strawberry mojito or a strawberry margarita which, you know, absolutely delicious. And you can't have too many of those because it's so sugary. And if you mm -hmm. crush those back, oh, my God, you are paying for it later. <laughs> but at the resort that I was at, it was amazing because they had the drink that I drink back home. And it's classic. It's just Johnny Walker Black. So they nice. had Black Label. A nice Johnny scotch. Walker Black neat on a beach. That sounds like my kind of vacation. That's all I was. That's all I was crushing back, um, pretty much throughout the trip. So I was nice, a little spoiled nice. in in that regard. If I had to go outside my comfort zone a little bit, it would have just been mojito and margarita season because I feel yeah, like it's yeah. fitting in in Mexico. And you know, whenever you go to like dinner, you go to sit down. They always ask if you want a if you'd like some Mexican water. And of course, if you guys don't know what that is, that's mm -hmm. tequila. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, add, I thought it had like, real sugar as opposed shot. to parsley hydrogenated corn syrup in it. But you know, that's it. That's a joke for another time. Mexican Coca Cola. <laughs> I was making it funny, but it's not funny when you have to explain it afterwards. So <laughs> let's just pretend. Let's pretend that that never happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, man. hey, man, hey, we spent the last uh, five minutes in one percent corner over here um, talking yeah, yeah. about our uh, vacation. Yeah, one percent corner, one percenter, one percent. Odyssey, we are nowhere near the one percent. Um, but let's talk about some players that uh, could potentially be in that range. Uh, yeah, two two draw TFC against uh, Atlanta United at BMO Field. Um, want to get both your thoughts. I know, Mike, you were watching this um, in Mexico. Jeff, you were at the game. I was watching was on the I? couch. Uh, was I? I'm not, quite, I'm not quite sure. I mean, a bit of me was there. But yeah. the TTC has the rest stored stored somewhere. You guys yeah, picked a, a great, great weekend to not be at BMO. Um, yeah, some people are still know, stuck I, on... Uh, yeah, I, 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 promised, I promised I would rant about it, but we spent so much time talking about food. Suffice to say, it was a horror show. I mean, uh, the... Line two was closed from St. Clair to uh, St. Andrew all weekend. Uh, the 509 streetcar across the Queens Key was closed. Uh, apparently there were shuttle buses, but it was it was a dog's breakfast. And uh, it was embarrassing. Uh, I think I've, I've lived in the city for a long time. I've been to a lot of other cities that are as big as Toronto or 10 times bigger. And, uh, you know, London is a penultimate example. I don't think that transit system is ever 100% open ever and there's a way to do it that isn't just leaving people in the lurch uh it was bad it was bad and i think that's you know uh, given given that uh well i mean the go was fine it was a little busy but also i took the subway and then had to pay the go more money to go one stop to get to exhibition from from union station so yeah everything it was a mess it was it was an ungodly mess and and you know i'm sure we'll i'm sure we'll bring this up and i've been defending it on the socials you know Absolutely. People leaving uh, before the final whistle is insane. Um, And it's a Toronto thing. And, you know, I've brought a lot of friends from Europe to TFC games and they all loved it. But the one complaint they levied was how annoying it was watching people get to their seats 15, 20 minutes in and then leaving, you know, before the kickoff sort of thing. This game is an outlier. All bets are off. You know, it's unfortunate that people missed uh, that wonderful equalizing goal at the death. But, you know, if I, if I, <laughs> if I wasn't as crazy as I am, because let's, I, I honestly almost skipped the game, but, but if I wasn't uh, as crazy as I am to get maximum in, I probably would have left early because people were stranded on the streetcar tracks at the exhibition loop, trying to figure out how to get home. You know, Ubers naturally were $400,000 just because, you know, uh, burst pricing or, or whatever. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't surge pricing or whatever the hell they call it, whatever cute <laughs> name they give it, you call they it give first, first pricing, pricing. <laughs> first um, your wallet. Does, does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Also works. So yeah, I, I think we got to give a little less stick. Uh, it is a problem in general, but this game in specific was a horror show. So I, I have absolutely no qualms defending the people that left early just because mm. they got there and had to, and you know, must've like me, it was, it was in the back of their mind the whole time is how the hell are we going to get now that we're here? How the hell are we going to get home? Do we live at the CNE now kind of thing? So, yeah. yeah. No, that, that's, that's really annoying. That, that is really annoying. And yeah, it mm-hmm. is. it's just, it's a BMO. It's just the, the location obviously of the field is when you compare it to obviously the Rogers center, the Scotiabank mm-hmm. arena, 
it does lead to problems like that from time to time. Hopefully, it's just not a recurring one uh, because well, that it's, is the, it's it's easier to get to BMO from from Hamilton yeah. than it is from inside Toronto, unless you live it, like it. Truth, it truly is. That's what it was. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 and that and I that's that, fine. I, I mean, that's that's a Toronto's a, a sprawling a sprawling megapolis, and it's only going to get bigger. And and it's I, I'll never deride the city fathers for putting it there. It made all the sense. Um, but you know, with a, for every plus, there's a there's a minus, and uh, and we saw it writ large this weekend, unfortunately. Okay, so so travel aside, I saw mm-hmm. this weekend TFC actually had the second highest attendance numbers uh, in Major League Soccer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How were the vibes during the game? It was very nice weather, you know, summer afternoon. It really felt like a. It's not summer yet, but it really did feel like yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, come to the television well i mean like it was a summer afternoon you right? you you missed it but tfc actually put in their graphic the temperature to silence all the all the all the haters when they announced the match midweek last week they were like temperature forecast and it was very obviously a uh, a, a tactic um people were desperate to get into that place so what was the vibe like i think everybody was surprised to see it so busy um and you know, generally the vibe was there were, you know, I don't like using the word casuals and I really don't like using the word tourists, but the weather was nice. So it brought the people out that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, TFC hardcores that are, were going to those March 730 games and freezing to death. You, you saw you saw a real TFC crowd, a real yeah. Toronto sports crowd. Yeah. And I think, you know, listening through the screen and watching on television, like, and we got some comments about this um, for Tunnel Club yesterday, mm. um, was that the vibe, especially, you know, obviously in the South End, but in other parts of the stadium as well, was high. Like, the, the voices were raised. I think a lot of people were into this. Obviously, one, because it helps that, you know, before the game, you get an announcement. Um yeah, exactly, Gimani. I think you're. Yeah. I think you're right. I think a lot of 100%. people spoke to that that it was the loudest game of the year. Partly because look, Lorenzo Insigne was inserted back into the lineup. I know people didn't know that until about 45 minutes before the game, mm-hmm. but I think that there was once people knew that that was happening, um, there was a chance to see him. Like people got excited about that, um, and then I think you know there is this this thought that you know although TFC have only won one game in eight and we'll get to that sort of debate in, in a bit um, that there is still this bit of optimism that's out there about the team that if they yep. can get everybody healthy and they can sort of get some momentum with all of their players, you know, their preferred 11 on the pitch, then you could see something really entertaining and really good. Right. And I, and I kind of wanted to, to go there in terms of your thoughts. Um, uh, Mike, I'll go to you first and Jeff, I'll come to you from your in-stadium perspective, but Mike, just from watching, what did you kind of get out of the game that, you know, you could say like, hey, maybe this is positive or mm, maybe, you know, this is something that we got to be be cautious of going forward. Yeah, it's, it's two takeaways that have been sort of the narrative of this season so far for me. Uh, the first one is just how much better they are defensively. And seeing the starting lineup, you, you open oh my your eyes like, wow. Michael Bradley's not starting. Yeah. Wow. Matt Hedges is not available once again. Jordan Perusa is starting up top at striker. You're like, against a really good team like Atlanta, this isn't this isn't good. I know Atlanta mm-hmm. were also missing a couple key players. Well, you're missing but... the best player in the league, arguably. Yeah. Right. yeah. But I, I'd still argue that Atlanta's 
still a very, very, very good side, even without Tiago Amada in the mix. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I'm thinking, man, this this could this could be trouble. But I I thought defensively, TFC once again were they were outstanding in my outstanding. opinion. Um, the two goals are just two isolated chances and goals that TFC have not conceded. Types of goals that TFC have not conceded very much this season. So, you know, and Matt Hedges and Michael Bradley are both not in the lineup. Both the guys who are are really good at attacking balls, you know, mm-hmm. in in their own box, right? So, yeah, that's what are you, what are you going to do on those goals? Um, I think obviously Raúl Petretta and maybe in the first goal was might have been able to defend a little bit better. Um, but those goals happen throughout the course of a season, especially against a team like Atlanta United, who mm-hmm. since the start of last season have scored the most headed goals in Major League Soccer. So that's that's kind of what I'll take a li- yeah, I'll take a little uh, I'll take a little issue with with your point. Like I I do agree that overall the defensive play from TFC has been much better, right? Like it, night and day mm-hmm. from from last year. I do think at least the second goal was preventable. And I think mm-hmm. that is a moment in a lapse of concentration from, from the team, right? Like Atlanta United striker ghosts into a position and no one recognizes the danger, right? Like Jonathan Osorio doesn't follow it into the box, probably assuming that one of the defenders between, I think, I think it's Lucas McNaughton that's supposed to be there and Raul Petretta. Um, but neither one make a movement towards him to try to close that space down, right? And it ends up being essentially a free header for him uh, to, to score the second goal. And even on the first goal, it's a great header by Yakamakis, right? Like you can't take too much away from it. It is a really great header. He's essentially mm-hmm. kind of falling away from goal and finds enough mm-hmm. power to put that in underneath the crossbar. But there, you know, Lucas McNaughton's not tight enough to him, um, and that might be just simply because Yakimakis makes a great move to get away from him and lose the mark. But I think really for that, especially that second goal, um, I, I take some issue just in terms of the lapse of concentration. Now, the good thing is those lapse of concentration are not happening as often as they would happen last year. But I still think that's something to call out. Yep, they're yeah. still happening yeah. at the beginning at the beginning of the game and and restarts. We're still not quite at full aggressiveness at at as, I mean to me that that opening goal you know there's a lot to be said that like Yakamakis is he's quality. You know what I mean? And and if you give that player a free header anywhere near the box, you're probably picking it out from the back of the net. So it's unfair to expect Lucas McNaughton who is our second string center back um, this season to to be able to mark Yakamakis, especially considering the pervasive issue of this team's slow starts. But, uh, you know, that's as much as I want to slag McNaughton, and I'm happy you brought him up because I saw his name on the team sheet, and more than Michael Bradley missing, that was my biggest worry. I mean, I'm, you know how big... Yeah, no, uh, was, was Matt Hedges being subbed for McNaughton, yeah. right? Because he was a shining star last year. You know, he found his groove in chaos. And I really didn't want to see a regression from him. And I loved how plugged in play he was. He knew his assignments. He he was well drilled. You know, aside from the gaff at the start, I thought he fit in pretty seamlessly to a defense that's really cooking right now. And I was very worried that he would be like a lone wolf out there, you know, doing what, what made him successful last season, which is mopping up for chaos. 
in a tighter system with with more expectation, I thought he would look awful out there. And I was so happy and so surprised to see that he didn't. It, it says to me, something good is happening in training, at least with the defensive core, you know, that we're not seeing on a game by game basis. But I have a lot more faith that, you know, that these assignments and these trigger points and whatever the defense is doing now to defend <laughs> is, is, is actually sort of trickling down across the group. And that is wonderful to see, you know, yeah, it makes me like, think about when Zavs and Hags, you know, weren't getting so much flack because they were plug and play solutions. You know, people weren't uh, uh, noticing their frailty because they were they were doing what needed to be done in a system that was humming. And, and that that's amazing to me. Yeah. But Mike, are we being too harsh? Do you think like are we being a little bit too too harsh on a performance um, that ended up being a two-two draw against, like, a, you know, a top three team in 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 the Eastern Conference. Well, no, that because that my second point was you ha- you have to find ways to turn that game, especially when it goes to one-one and Yakumakis mm. goes down injured. You have to find a way to have that killer instinct at home yeah. on a gorgeous night at BMO Field with the crowd well in full capacity there or close to full capacity you have to find a way to to seize that momentum coming out of the second half and turn that game into three points right and even in the spell where you know lorenzo insigne was getting set to come on and then of course that's when they conceded the second goal that mm-hmm. in a way sucks some of the life out of bimo field and thankfully the team was able to go on and salvage the the point there which is again really commendable because i think that's now the fourth time I want to say fourth it's the fourth and thanks to friend of the show Martin Bailey who actually asked for this as ammunition this is the third time in their history that we've drawn four on the bounce we've never drawn five in a row so if we draw our next game it's a new TFC record everybody spin but okay I was yeah I was actually gonna say third time they've come from behind to equalize yeah uh, I didn't ask so I thought, <laughs> yeah, so it, it was the third time this season they've come from behind to, to equalize in a game, which, you know, I, I think is, it's a really important part about this team. Um, you know, when you look at last year and I, I saw, you know, the comparison from wherever they were last year points wise to where they are this year points wise, 10 times out of 10, I'm taking this year's start over last year's start because last year they were outplayed in most matches and were, they were true. fortunate to come away yeah. with, Three points, right? We were this not year, happy. Every single, <laughs> yeah. every single game, Jeff, that they were playing mm. in this year has been a really tight game, yeah. and you could make the argument in every single one of those games, except for maybe Atlanta, that TFC mm-hmm. could have deserved or could, if not deserved, then definitely it was on the table, it was on the taking for them mm-hmm. to take three points in each one of those matches. Right. So in that sense, I'm taking, I'm taking the start to this year. Now, the biggest concern, again, uh, the second point I wanted to make was going forward, TFC is number nine position. Mm. What the heck is going to be the solution <laughs> yeah. to that position? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Let me let me just, you gave me a perfect segue for my second Martin point, because I remember when we started playing Atlanta, we only got 2-2 draws. And so despite my, my transit-induced rage, once I got home, I was like, well, of course it was going to be 2-2 because it always is 2-2. So I asked friend of the show, everybody's best friend, Martin Bailey, to do some math for me. 
And I'll just read it out because numbers. Uh, TFC have faced 21 clubs 10 plus times. Of those 21 opponents, the 2-2 draw to Atlanta is by percentage the most likely outcome of any opponent that we face. I don't know Whenever where we play Atlanta, we have a 26.67% chance of a 2-2 draw. So maybe let's take that into context. This game, by virtue of the soccer gods, was possibly only ever going to end one way. And, uh, you know, make make of that what you will. But the 2-2 scoreline against Atlanta seems to be kind of written into our DNA. Fair enough. But to to Mike's point, and, and this sort of look, it's the sort of dead horse conversation that we've been leading mm. all season. But maybe if you have a number nine that can finish some of these chances, maybe it doesn't end up 2-2, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. from that perspective... I think there is value and merit in that. And and Jeff, you and I and, and Chris Fung had this conversation last week mm-hmm. in terms oh, of so false nine. nine. Exactly. Let's do it. Whether you do yeah. false nines or you find, you know, a another in league solution to that nine. But Mike mm-hmm. wanted to get your take on this because you know, Jeff and I gave our piece last week. But you know, where do you think that I don't want to say a solution comes from, but you know, where do you think TFC may look? Um, in the summer, if they even bother to look in the summer, because they better budgets, budgets are not what they once were. So, you know, where do you think TFC go from here with the number nine position? Because there's four now players that essentially have taken the number nine position sh- or shirt this year, and none of them look capable at this point. Now, Diamande injured, not a lot of um, sample size sample there. Size. Jordan Perusa had 45 minutes. So, you know, again, sample sizes are a thing. So keep that in mind. But you know, where do you think they go? It's it's a really good question. Um, ideally, Diamande is the solution to that mm. problem, right? I think that's what they're hoping for right now. At least a good enough solution that he doesn't have to be a superstar number nine, but one that's producing, you know, a goal every three games. Mm-hmm. a goal every other game like okay maybe a goal every game is a little bit too much but a goal every three games like you take that in, in the strike just based on the way that this team is built because you have guys like a richie larea you have guys like bernardeski and insigne you have ozorio you have brandon Cervania, as we saw mark anthony mm-hmm. case shown he's capable of of doing it you have other guys that can chip in and and, and score yep. goals so you don't necessarily need a number nine that's going to be banking in goal after goal after goal but you need it you need a guy that's that's going to be you know helping up and helping in the build-up play a little bit more um mm-hmm. that's 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 a really big problem for tfc right now is when you're trying to keep possession and your number nine is is only getting involved to the point where you know they're making a combined 12 passes yep. throughout the course of the match they're not getting enough touches on the ball and it's you know, maybe, and what's worse, when you're getting... defending, you're defending with 10 for the most part, right? So there's detriments on both sides. Yeah, and, and like, they're not, maybe it's maybe it's a product of they're not getting themselves in the right position at times. Maybe it's a product of their, their first touches or their second touches or their decision-making at times. Mm. Um, but you, you have to find a way to get that player more involved because, yeah, it, it is a disadvantage for this team moving forward when when their number nine is not able to to make an impact in the way that I think, you know, a team ideally would have a number nine and this roster making an impact. So I, I think they hope Diamande can be that guy. 
we'll see. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he is one of those players that you do have to get going. I don't think you can throw him out there right away and then all of a sudden expect him to, to of course be not. up to top, He's get form. top form, top shape. Yeah, He's gotta, of course not. Yeah. But him especially more than others. Um, that's the sense that I've gotten. So we'll see if he can get back onto the pitch for this weekend. And if he does, let's see if he starts ramp up and shows signs that he could be a solution for this team at the number nine position. Other than that, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, obviously, like we're not, everyone knows it. TFC knows it. The number nine position is a, is a position that can be upgraded immensely for this mm-hmm. team. However, we're living in a salary cap era, right? Yep. We're living in a salary budget era. And in order for TFC to go out and and get a definite upgrade, other moves would have to be made, I believe, in order for that to happen. But then the question 100%. becomes, what other moves can you yeah. actually make? Yeah. Who actually has value that's we not. talked about this with Josie when he was an albatross, right? And just just interject before it disappears in the comments stack. But mm. Graham, does TFC two have a striker ready to be called up, similar to Alonzo Coelho? Yeah, and they're already on the team. His name's Hugo Mbonge. and uh, if you want the guy that did well the last campaign, his name's Jordan Perusa. He's also already on the team. TFC has been calling up strikers that have made an impact at the lower level. They're just not getting minutes. Um, you know, and, and, and Mike's point stands, uh, uh, you know, it, it's the Josie problem again, right? Like, do we give IO away for free or uh, AO, IO, I'm, I'm always mangling the name, or do we hope for what we were hoping for with Josie, which is eventually some kind of form, you know, whether or not we've made our decision of whether we want to part ways with the player or not, you know, some get him, get him into some kind of form to attract a, a, an upper tier of suitors or whatever the case may be. It's, it's, it, you know, it, we're dancing around the maypole with this again. Uh, but uh, just, just to finish yeah. my thought, because what Chris Fung said last week, I, I took to heart, and it's put your best 11 on all the time. What we saw as a lack of depth in the midfield has actually become a strength. And we've got a lot of guys competing for minutes now that can do a lot of jobs. It makes no sense to have them on the bench to watch Iowa Canola play winger i mean i was screaming at him from the south end like just make a run in the channel dude like he was so often on the right or the left side of the of the box and i don't know why if he was chasing the ball if he was out of position if that was where bob wanted him to be i don't know i i feel like it's it it like look the eye test is really complicated when to me strikers usually if i'm watching them specifically they're a lot more vertical than that he was just all over the place and i and i don't know why and i don't i don't want to ascribe it solely to him but i just don't like what is he doing out there too often you know he's doubling up with with one of the wide midfielders or one of our wide players when to me he should be right right smack up the gut looking for you know second second phases of attacker or the goalie to cough something out i i don't know i don't know yeah, I mean, look, I, I think from a striker position, like I, I, Jordan Perusa, I, I don't know if there's enough there to to really tell you if he's going to be. He also to needs range. minutes. He Does also he needs minutes. Like, I, you know, like, yeah, they're strikers. I mean, of all the players, I think they're the ones that need the most runway. 
No, uh, no, I mean, with, it's a great game form, but I mean, yeah. really, is he is, like, it, are you going to, are we really going to say Jordan Peruz is the answer right now? Like, if we give him five, six games, no, it, no, I don't. Right? And it's the same thing with Hugo Mbongi right now. Like, if we give Hugo Mbongi five, six games, is it really, is that really what the answer is? No, I, I don't think it is, right? So, really, hmm. you're now thinking about, okay, are you going to really go with Io or DeAndre Kerr or probably uh, Diamande and give, give that striker, you know, five or six, a, a run of games to try to prove themselves. And the question now becomes, how how long do you go with that, right? I, I don't know if we can keep playing this musical chairs with the number nine. Well, it does no good for anybody, right now, yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. right? And I think it's, a, we're getting to a point where it's kind of like, all right, we got to sort of put our, our masks here and say, like, this is the guy and, and you know, we're going to give them a run of games and see what happens. I get why Bob is switching every, almost every other game. It's because he's mm-hmm. just trying to find somebody who can get a spark, right? And that's some of it's also and, circumstantial, yeah. right? Yeah, true. Injuries yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Of uh, course. Iowa on international course. duty. Like you had to make certain decisions. Um, Jordan, yeah. So obviously, what we're seeing from Bob right now at this point, I th- he's just throwing something at the wall and he's hoping something sticks at the number yeah. nine position. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, you can't really blame him. In that regard, because nothing has stuck quite yet. So why not give Jordan Perusa, who's a little bit of a different profile of player than an Io and and DeAndre Kerr, he's got a little bit more energy to him, right? He can do Mm -hmm. some of the running that, you know, people sometimes get frustrated about. It, it being a, being number, so before I said, like being a number nine, Bob Bradley system, it requires Mm -hmm. a lot of running. Right, like he's he's asking a lot of his number nines, but so in that you know Jordan Prusa can he at least do some of that work where you're making mm. constant runs in behind, you're constantly pressuring, you're starting the press. Like number nines, sort of think are really important, especially off the ball in Bob Bradley's system. So I think Jordan yeah. Prusa's willingness to to do some of that work is at least you're getting at least that out of your number nine, and then hey, if he can you know, get in behind and he almost did during the game in Atlanta and he's he maybe hasn't shown it quite yet at this level, but he's a capable finisher. Um hmm. so yeah, uh again, like the number nine position is gonna be something that we talk about nonstop. And like I said, the hope is Diamande is that guy. And if not, Jeff, as you pointed out, and I think Chris talked about this last week, you you find a way to to work in an Ozo or Bernadeschi yeah. as a false nine yeah. with this group, because I think that's probably what you're... You get even the best it, players yeah, I, out I, there, guys that I are said producing. This, mm-hmm. I said this earlier on one of our really early episodes this season. I want to see Victor Vasquez as a false nine with this group. <laughs> Me too. I really too. want to see it. Me too. So badly. Yeah. Such a waste. But uh, fair enough. I mean, uh, like, I mean, you know, we're right now. We, we are might not be great, but... no. Yeah, <laughs> defensively. I mean, defensively, I'll shut up about the uh, immediately. I'll be like, but nines don't have to track back. I never ever said that. Where's the tape? Where's the receipts? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know either. But you know, it's not working. Uh, and we have aspirations. I, you know, we're well past the point of giving everybody a chance. I think personally, we're well past that point. We've done our due diligence with respect to is that it's going to work? Is it not going to work? You know, if we were the clubs that we follow in Europe, they'd be, they'd be pariahs already. You know, they'd be Obama. I'm always wary about that whole, well, no, so am I, so am I, 
So am I. But 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 if you were to compare the two, I'm saying that that extreme is equally crazy time. This I'm starting to feel is just as crazy because how much more proof do you need? Like, you know, and and then again, like, because at the end of the day, what are we waiting for? Like we've we've proven inconsistency. You know, what changes that like that? Like because with so much evidence now, it's hard to see a way back to super consistent football because there's so much evidence to the contrary, right? So it's hard to believe that like a spark or confidence or, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think the pr- we have the proof, you know, and this is not to discount any of these players, technical ability or skill. It's just at this moment of time with this club in this context, it's not working. Yeah, Uh, you know, I would I would say just to wrap up here, I think like, look, Mm -hmm. the the European sort of that kind of comparison, like it's different in Europe. In Europe, if you don't if a guy doesn't work out, you can go wait till the next window and sign another guy. You can't do that here in MLS, right? It just doesn't work the same way. That's Uh, fair, but that doesn't mean we should hold on to distressed assets forever. But it Mm -hmm. it gets harder sometimes to move those assets, right? Like it because Uh, absolutely one million percent in the market at that time, right? So and we don't have real good loan agreements, so we can't just send them off to Sevilla, you know, to 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 well, draw in the sun, right? Like yeah, yeah. the, The point being is that I think right now we will have to kind of work with what we've got for now and try to find a solution around that again whether it is playing a false nine um that might come into play i don't feel like that's what's happening yet i think there's really going diamande is going to get a run of games to really try to i I essentially win that job um but you know when is that gonna happen is it too late at that not too late i guess but you know what i mean like are we sort of at that point we're like oh okay um, we'll see, uh, a, a couple of the notes from this game that I think we should touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, we will get to the Michael Bradley thing. It's part of the burning question. So we will get yeah. to Michael Bradley, not starting, um, this game. Cause I know a lot of people want to talk about that. Um, another thing is just Richie Larea, great goal, uh, scores a great goal. Wonderful. Really goal. between himself and Bernadeschi, right? Like the, the form that they're both in essentially don't break them up because essentially right now attacks coming down that right is essentially the only way we're kind of finding goals mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. It's not yeah. essentially. It, it is. Yeah. It is. It is. That's mm-hmm. why I'm wearing the Richie Nottingham shirt. Not to say that I want him to go back to forest. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, maybe TFC fans will start to become forest supporters and hoping they stay up. Cause if they go down, his contract looks a lot more appealing uh, to a mm. championship side than it does to a premier league side. So fair uh, point. Fair yeah. point. So we'll have to, keep what's the in- premier league. I don't, I don't follow that league. Is there, or is it <laughs> big, big, Shut up. Premier league. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, mm. You know, and, and mm. you know, one thing, look, we've been harsh on the number nine position. I think we've been, we talked it to death. We, you know, we, we, we talk about some of the defensive lapses in this game. I think we do have to be somewhat positive on a couple of notes. One, I think the second half response was a lot better. Uh, Unbelievable. I thought they were they were much more on the front foot in the second half. Um, I actually think they were not as bad as people were saying that they were in the first half. I thought there were moments. Obviously, the Richie goal is, is you know, part of that. But I thought there were moments. And I think that's the thing. This is sort of another key theme of the season so far is that, you know, TFC and moments look really good, but just have not yeah. strung together in 90 minutes yet. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's, and that is sort of a thing that, that needs to be the next evolution of this team is can they put together a solid 90 minute front to back comprehensive performance? And so far they have not, not even in the Miami win. Can you really say they did that? They got close. 
um, but not in that case. And, and just the last sort of point before we get to this whole, how do you see TFC start mm-hmm. to the season is Brandon Cervania, obviously um, a lot of people were calling for him to be man of the match. That was even before he scored the tying goal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and Jaquiel Marshall running coming in um, at, in the, uh, at halftime um, and looking pretty good, both as a winger and then as a left back with uh, Lorenzo Insigne coming into the game. Just wanted to get your guys' thought on both those players um, before we talk a little bit about Insigne. Go ahead. Uh, How fun was that 15 minutes where Lorenzo and Fede were just basically playing 2v11? (laughs) It was was fantastic. I'm like, man, you know what? I don't care if we get the wooden spoon, but with these, these two are entertaining as hell to watch and they're just and they're and they are just i mean yeah obviously i care i'll cry for days but like you know they it was so much fun to watch them and you just i'm like at the very least if everything else sucks we're going to be treated to some severely some some great highlight reel goals from those two you know even even if the rest of the team you know spontaneously combusts out there which is a lot closer to happening than we might want to admit but like that was great. That was really, really nice. I, I really enjoyed that. And I, you, it, that bodes well for the future. I mean, those two guys are really talented and they understand each other. And it was just, it was fun to watch them do that. I'm, I, I'd love to know what players on the pitch felt about that when mm-hmm. that was going on. Players that were mm-hmm. making some, some really hard runs during that time. I'd love to be a fly on the wall and actually hear their actual thoughts about that um players but, on tfc yeah 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 hey, i suppose you have to allow a margin there, right? you have to allow a margin for those two to showboat you know what i mean like you know a ferrari and a Lada are both cars and i'm not calling anybody else on tfc a Lada, but i am saying they're both cars one goes to zero to 60 a lot quicker than the other one does so at a certain you know what i mean like i, I don't know i think you have to have a margin for greatness and you can't expect them to yeah, not do that. Sure, on but there's, there's a, there's a line and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Do you think they, do you think they crossed it as a former player? I wouldn't say I'm a former player. <laughs> well, you're <laughs> but... a lot closer to a former player than I am, Mike. So I'm, I'm calling you a former player. <laughs> um, from the outside looking in, maybe there, there was maybe a little bit too much of hmm. just them. That's back a fair assessment. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah, Anyways, yeah. it string back, Mike, to to your question. I I loved, I loved the fact that we got some Jaquil on the left hand side. Yeah. Um, oh God. Oh we God, haven't. Yes. I don't think. I don't know if we've we've obviously seen him at left left back before. I don't think we've ever seen him play left wing before. No. No. So, uh, that was an interesting substitution by Bob to put him in that position. But I thought he did fairly well. Um, his decisions. You can tell, man, this guy is so smart when it comes to reading the game. I and mean, it doesn't matter where you put him on the pitch. He he has such a strong understanding of where the next pass should go. He has a good solid touch. Um yeah, really enjoy watching him play football. It's really like aesthetically pleasing, if you know what I, I mean. I know. Um in the goal. Obviously, that was a fantastic mm. like I don't maybe it's unfair for me to say. I'm not sure if Raul Patrakta makes the same run, though, that Jaquil made um, with Insigne on the left, right? I agree. Jaquil got switched to left back. Insigne cuts inside, 
makes you overlap. Wonderful decision to to drop deep and play a first time ball to Jonathan Osorio at, at the angle and direction that he plays that ball. It opens up a lot of space on the field, and Jaquiel obviously takes advantage. And then the awareness to to play Brandon Savania at that moment uh, that's mm. a that's great such ball. a yeah, it's such a great decision, right? And mm-hmm. with his weak foot too, like I you see Jaquiel really starting to blossom, really starting to grow into. Um, you know, maybe not the player that the team thought he would be originally, but s- still a very, very, very good and exciting prospect at what he's 18 years old. Yeah. Like, that, that part's really exciting. So I love Jaquiel's game. Brandon, I mean, we've talked about Brandon a lot on this show. Love he him. is, he continues to, to really impress and he's making a case to seriously making a strong case to be a starter for this team. And that's mm-hmm. why I, you know, we, we talk about potential what's going to happen when, you know, Insigne is fully fit and Bernadeschi is available. Like, Brandon Sabrina, it's going to be tough to take him out of the lineup. Very yeah. tough. Very tough. Very tough. Let's uh, just really quickly, um, this got brought up. I don't know if this is really a big deal, but apparently when Insigne was about to come in, in the 70th minute, or at least he was getting ready in the 70th minute. He was mm-hmm. like tapping his wrist. A fan saw he was tapping his wrist, like as if he was going, like he wanted to go in. Yeah. Then I don't know if this is a deal. I, this is one of those things where I feel like fans are making a bigger deal out of it than it actually was. It was one, one at the time. So people are going to say like, Hey, well, if you brought him in, maybe that was a spark. He wasn't stopping that goal. Like there was no, yeah. Way. Like he's not right? defending like, that goal. Yeah. He's not defending that error. <laughs> so like, I don't really know if this is a thing or not. Um, but I, I brought it up because it had been brought up several times um, in comments to me that apparently he was asking to come in a little bit earlier and whether Bob Bradley held May- back. Maybe on that he was, what, but, but we don't, we just got him back. Uh, I trust I mean, this is weird to say, but I trust the TFC medical staff. That, that I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. But I trust them <laughs> over the player that's like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? I think that they were managing his minutes. And, and if that if that lack of two minutes, like I said, and he's not defending that that goal, um, is the difference between him re-aggravating that injury or being available for selection for the rest of the year, um, that two minutes, he's on the pine. 100 percent of the time yeah i'm a thousand percent sure he he wanted to come into that match yeah sure. who wouldn't but is yeah, it a, yeah. Who, like it's not who, a big absolutely deal. wouldn't yeah. yeah i don't think it's so big. i had no problem with that and i you know i heard bob bradley before the match apparently he told the apple tv guys or he told someone else that 15 minutes with insignia would be pushing it uh yeah for i remember uh, that quote as he, well he pushed he pushed it he pushed he, he brought him to the the sideline in like the 71st or 72nd minute right so he was already pushing the envelope a little bit because the game was was there for the take and for tfc um so i yeah i have no problem with that whatsoever that is i'm not surprised by it whatsoever yeah look i think it's uh as you said jeff uh euphemism it's the it's a nothing burger you know yeah it's, i i expect cooler true. heads to prevail what yeah. what soccer player doesn't want to play soccer i mean are we actually debating that question of course yeah. he did and it, it it the people that are in charge of managing his minutes and, and limiting his ability to injure himself should get the final say in that respect 
for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, just moving on here. Uh, this is something that got brought up to to me in a it's in Ted a Uncle PM time, piece. isn't it? Yeah, it is Ted Uncle time mm-hmm. because I did mention on the Tunnel Club uh, yesterday, and, and Sean also mentioned this as well that we didn't think Ted Uncle had himself a great night um, in terms of <laughs> when does Ted game. Uncle ha- when has he had a great night? Is there is there uh, I'm sure is he had there a, great a night, good like night to in measure like 1991, again? Probably a great time in Philly. Was out one night. Just, yeah, yeah, you know. None of it involves refereeing soccer. Like he, in his life, I'm sure he's had great nights, but as a soccer ref, I'm disposed to think that he's never actually had a good, a good game. Well, fair enough. Well, we didn't think he had a great night on Saturday and I got a, uh, a tweet uh, from a league one Ontario referee um, sort of just on our comments because we, you know, I I specifically pointed out two instances in the first half Mm -hmm. where I thought TFC could had a, a decent shout for a penalty one on Richie Larea and one, I think on Brandon Cervini at the top yep. of the box, he was just inside and I thought he got his shoulder pulled back. Um, and I guess in the stadium, obviously look w- being in the South end and you've all seen this, if you've been to the ground before when bad refereeing decisions happen, look, people get on the referee. It is kind of part of the game. They experience mm-hmm. it happens, you know? Um, but this was a note uh, I got, um, and you know I struggle, and this is somebody I, I know, um, you know I struggle with how much uh, match officials are treated, regardless of the opinion of deserving or not by the fan. Uh, what you hear in the crowd, especially from kids, screaming is horrible, and it in its led slash taught by parents, adults who lack knowledge uh, of the, basically, laws of the game. I use L-O-T-G, but laws of the game. Um, Mm -hmm. along with the many considerations of the application of each law in microseconds without officials we do not we have no sport passion is good disrespect and abuse is not uh this is why we've lost so many younger officials in the game because it it is a huge issue and much more needs to be done to fix this so i wanted to just talk about this really quickly um, I look, I, 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 me as somebody who started a supporter group and, you know, picked up on a chant in which, uh, you know, we hurl some explicitives at a, a referee from time to mm-hmm. time, um, you know, when calls go against our team, you know, I, I am definitely guilty of this. I know we all have, but I guess just one, just in terms of these decisions, do we think mm-hmm. Ted uncle got some of these decisions, right? Of I, course I'll, it's I'll, Ted uncle. He sucks. He sucks ass he's okay, the worst well, ref in the world so, so that yeah, gets yeah. To my second point but let's go into the first mm. point first of all two potential penalty decisions and actually a foul on top of the box and Federico Bernardeschi uh Redesky, um at the top of the box in the first half um do you think Ted Uncle got these decisions right Jeff I'll start with you no but that's that's secondary I mean there was another tweet uh with respect to this somebody else was saying uh uh they didn't like the the tone of the anti-referee chirps you know your mother's uh this or that or this that i agree with i think you know this is you're not reinventing the wheel here you're you're, you're we're all homers in the stadium we're looking for something to rally against the players are, are leading by example you know it's just an endless chain but there is a line where it starts to get nasty where it reveals more about what your biases are than just this, the fun of sports hate, right? Um, with respect to, you know, it costing us referees, well, what game do they want to referee in? I mean, if they don't have the fortitude to get chirped at, maybe they're in the wrong job. And it 
gives me no pleasure to say this because I realize the comments coming from a place of understanding and, and empathy and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? Like, you know, that, that doesn't speak to referees leaving the position. It speaks to the fact that not a lot of people want to be referees because it's, a, it's not the best you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a thankless job, right? So it's a, it's a, you know, the people, again, to, to expect that kind of courtesy in a sporting environment in North America, I think it's a, it's a, it's a fool's errand. So, yep. it, you know, it's, to, it's yeah, to yeah. That, but I'll come back to that in a second, Michael, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Yeah. Like as Jeff said there, like referees never, what's the cliche of referees never have a home game. Right, referees yeah. are always referees. Yeah, exactly. Referees. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hate saying this because I know that there are people too, and mm. I understand. I can't it. wait. This is amazing. I can't wait. Oh it's, my god! It's part of the the culture. It's part of the game. It's part of every single game that you're at. Is there a line? Yeah, absolutely. There's a line. Right, you never want to hear people cross the line, mm-hmm. but it's also one of the things that gets crowds more hyped up than anything. Yep. Is getting in unison and getting on the referee, and that happens in every single sport that you go to. So if you can manage to stay within, you know, the line, I don't have to tell anyone what the line is. I think everyone knows what the line should be for something like that. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. Now, in terms of the, mm-hmm. the actual calls on the game, yeah, I thought he had a terrible game. And not just That's for terrible. KFC, like I Both sides, both ways. I thought he had a really, really poor um, game overall. Uh, He's really, really some bad decisions, at this. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Yeah, some decisions he absolutely got, got right. But, you know some decisions he got really, really wrong. Um, and some of the decisions I was, I was left scratching my head for both sides, just watching mm-hmm. that game from the outside. Me too. Yeah. And Me look, I, I think he missed at least one penalty for TFC. I think, you know, look, Richie Larea in some respects, I think is gaining a reputation of somebody who wins penalties in the box. And some people call it winning penalties and some people call it diving. Um, yeah. And, and I think that was a situation where I think it's reputation more than what the actual situation was. I think there was contact 100%. there. I don't think it was heavy contact, but it's still contact and it's still caused him to go over. Right. And I think in that case, you know, a penalty is a penalty and that even went to a VAR review and was, was denied. So from that perspective, you know, you, you wonder if that ends up being a situation where that cost TFC three points that said, um, I will sort of go on to your point, Jeff, about, you know, this is part of the, the game and, you know, you, referees got to, you know, take the heater, get out of the kitchen. I think it's like saying, I'll I, take your job at McDonald's, but I don't want to cook burgers. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I like everything else about it, yeah, but I don't want to cook burgers For yeah. sure. But like, I think mm-hmm. there is a distinct line between the professional referees that referee professional football matches. Oh. Absolutely. What we've seen at youth level, right? And Mm. I and I think this particular person and referee, other referees I've spoken to, really take a think about this at youth level, right? Because of course, you know, I you know I've seen this uh, at youth level. I've seen this at academy games. You know, we take some of that passion that we take in the professional game, where this is kind of expected, right? Like pro referees. Mm You know, yes, Michael, you're completely right. There is a line, you know, we should not cross it. Um, 
but we take some of that passion, we take it down to the the youth levels and we do and we take it down to academy games and things like that. Don't and allow the parents kind of get out of hand because you know that's where I think you start losing referees and referees who don't want to advance and are just like, you know what, that's great. I or alliance people who don't want to do it after this because they're like, who needs that in there? Yeah, room, who needs right? that? Yeah. Like who yeah. needs that? Um, so from that perspective, I, I think there's a point there. I do agree that getting on a referee is very much part of the game. And I've been in those situations where like a whole crowd, 30,000 people can get on a referee and it can just absolutely charge an atmosphere. One hundred percent. But a part of yeah. me also is like, man, that, that one, that, that person down there that has to go and make those microsecond calls in a short mm-hmm. period of time against, you know, trying to decipher this with athletes who will never be fitter in their entire lives right who could run. that are actively looking to gaslight you exactly, yeah, exactly. right like uh, mm-hmm. all the time especially in football of all the mm-hmm. sports especially in football when there's when crowding a referee is like a now a national pastime in the game yep. um i can i can get it i 100 get it but i mean i, I struggle i don't have an answer because... for that that's a societal problem yeah like, no how, how do sure. you police people's behavior you know why don't people realize that one thing is not applicable to the other these are questions that will plague us for as long as the society exists before we, you know, turn into beings of pure energy, I think. But like, you know, I don't, I don't have the answer for it, but, but in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, I agree with everything that you said. I just maybe don't let the parents come to their kids' soccer games. You know, that might be the answer. No, you guys are right. Like the, the amount of referees now that are around the game and the youth level are diminishing so much. And to the point where, I know commissioners of leagues and, you know, clubs and towns are struggling to find referees. Mm-hmm. Now, is it down to just the fact that they get, you know, a lot of verbal abuse from, from parents, sometimes physical abuse in yeah. some rare Yeah, let's not, let's not mince words. Um, maybe, maybe that that's a factor of it, right? But it's also like, as we've illustrated throughout this thing, it's really... like jeff you said it's a thankless job like you're yeah you have to love it you have to love it you have i mean it's it sounds like tough advice but you know movies don't guarantee riches right like i love it i love the craziness if i didn't i'd be stupid to be in this industry like uh so for me there's it's a bit of like you know you take the bad with the good you have to you have to be in the trenches and you'll eventually accelerate up. And, and if you don't love it, then why are you doing it? Uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I agree with Mike. Like you thought it's senseless. It's so senseless. And you see, there's always that one parent that mm-hmm. always, always yeah. decides to, to heckle the referee, especially when you get a little bit more competitive and yeah. even kids on the field are like, what are you? Doing? I don't know this guy. Like, I don't know this guy. Doing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's always mm. there's always that one. Um, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. I, hopefully, hopefully you're not that guy. You listener, if, you, if you're that guy, just yeah, don't be that. guy. That's the best we can do. <laughs> have this conversation and say, try not to be that guy. In fact, don't try. Just do it. There is no try. But don't at a pro game, but be that guy to mm-hmm. Ted Uncle though, because Ted, yeah. yeah, no, no, Ted Uncle, Ted Uncle is terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not uh, like I don't have an inside voice, and I'm pretty sure he couldn't hear my expletives in a sea of 30,000 people giving him equal, if not worse, expletives. Um, But again, don't cross that line. 
don't don't show your your biases don't turn it into into a proxy for all the other things that bother you it's it's easy enough to hate on ted uncle for being ted uncle you don't need other yeah. excuses hey but yeah. ted uncle's been to a couple world cups so hey hey ted uncle i think he's all right um mm. all right uh, let's move on guys and let's wrap up the show with our burning question of the week we've got new graphics now this is this is exciting stuff guys like we we're really excited about this so let's roll into this week's burning question The burning question presented by Nextdoor. Nextdoor is the official community app of Toronto FC. It's used by one in five households in the GTA, so you got to get on it. The Nextdoor app is, is an awesome way to get things done in your neighborhood. Now, there is a group on Nextdoor called the Toronto FC Fan Group. We'll be posting uh, the burning question of the week there a day before we post it on our Twitter accounts. So if you want to get it early, uh, get in there. Plus, we'll have uh, other fun posts and contests. Yes, giveaways and giveaways uh, coming up in the near future. So uh, make sure you check it out and join the group by downloading the Nextdoor app in the App Store or get it at nextdoor.ca. Uh, so thank you to Nextdoor uh, for presenting the burning question. And this week, we want to talk about the one that I'm sure all of you are now an hour into this podcast are wondering why haven't we <laughs> talked about this, you crazy people, uh, is were TFC better off without Michael Bradley Saturday night against Atlanta? Uh, we got a couple of responses from Twitter, but of course, we're going to go first to our response in uh, on the next door Toronto FC fan group uh, chat where they Henry Young comes in and says, Bradley's kind of washed. 2017 was a long time ago. We need to move on. And look, a lot of comments in Twitter sound like Henry, right? So before you all start getting on Henry, a lot of you sound that way too. Um, but I want to get a sense from you guys, just your, your thoughts on um, just in terms of Michael Bradley not making the starting lobby. I think we don't know if he's fully injured, if it was a fully a knock. Um, but what did you sort of think? It about was injury that? related. It was injury related. It was injury related. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, shocked, right? That's like, what am I, what am I even looking at right now? What is Toronto mm. see without Michael Bradley? What that's, is this? Yeah, what does it mean? That's, that's the first instance. The second one was my second thought was, hey, you know what? This is an opportunity to see what a lot of yep. people have been asking for. What does this team look like without Michael Bradley? Um, so, you know, in, in a way, shocked, in another way, kind of excited because you just, we just haven't, we just, it's just the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of knew what the answer would be heading into the game. Um, and I think it played out the way that I thought it would play out. Where at home, you'd like to see TFC dictate and dominate possession a little bit more than they did against Atlanta. There were certain spells where it looked like they did pretty well. But there were also moments where they turned the ball over in some really poor areas on the pitch. And were fortunate not to get punished for some of those turnovers. Yep. Um I thought Mark and the Decay actually did a pretty solid job uh, dropping back as this lone six at times. Um, his ability to play forward was a nice, uh, I don't want to say breath of fresh air, but like it was, it was nice to see 
him do that efficiently uh, when when you look at some of the passing numbers that he had. I actually thought, you know, the last two games, and I know we're quick to, to harp on him, but I thought Mark Anthony K's last two games have been his best two games in a TFC shirt, specifically that yep. game against Nashville. That game against Ridiculous. Nashville, he was unplayable. That mm-hmm. was one of the best mm-hmm. midfield performances I've seen in a very long time at anyone in major league soccer. So you got to give credit where credit is due there uh, against Atlanta. He had a, he had another solid game, but it wasn't quite at that Nashville level. I don't think his touch was as sharp as maybe it was against Nashville. Um, but yeah, I, well, I did Nashville like the also fact that sat he, back. So they gave him tons of space, right? Yeah. But even when he was under pressure, like I thought there was just certain moments where they had to mm. sit back because he was so unplayable. And in some of those instances were breaking a press. Um, but that being said, what you miss in Michael Bradley is just such a smart outlet that, you know, teams game plan for Michael Bradley because they knew, they know that's what TFC like to play through and like to play for. And for good reason, Michael's so good at getting the ball to his teammates in the right areas. He reads the pitch really, really well. Um, so that part of his game, you miss that stability in the midfield, the structure around him, uh, making the right quick decisions at times. So, you know, like that part, yeah, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to replace, you know, Alonzo Cuello is, is another really smart player, but he's obviously nowhere near where Michael Bradley is. And it comes to reading the game. Right. But you also, I also really liked without Michael there, the, it's not a surprise they're the team's movement and the team's ability to cover some ground uh in this game right it didn't really look like they were too out of pace matching up against this atlanta united side um and obviously when michael's in the lineup he's not really tearing up the the track there when he's he's on the pitch so you know you gain some of that but you lose a lot of what other things that he brings that it's really important to this team so it was it bad better was it worse i don't i don't really know i wouldn't mm-hmm. say it was one or the other but i do like overall just an overall view that tfc still managed to be in a game that they could win despite the fact that michael bradley was out of the match jeff your thoughts i i can't say anything that that would add to this discourse that that mikey singh hasn't already said perfectly perfectly aligns with my thoughts on the on the subject we okay we gained athleticism but we lost a certain steadying presence uh you know fair enough and the comments are kind of on the same vibe like i'll pick three that i think sort of encapsulate three sides of the the argument so from dave hill we've got better no Servenia and no Servenia goal if Michael is on the field, more balance and shared responsibility, which will rapidly increase what? connections with the DP wingers each game. Hedges will cover the defensive gaps we saw on both goals. Okay. Why would there be no Servenia goal? He did not elaborate. Um, I think well, maybe what he what he's saying elaboration. There, yeah, but I mean I I think maybe what he's thinking there is that um michael may be a little further back um in terms of his his play and not maybe connect the same way I, i'm trying to fill in gaps here but like yeah uh, yeah th- that might be a, what he's thinking there and and the fact but that mike would may... be mark anthony k in that situation or he just switches the ball right to the left or like mark anthony k did he's not making yeah. the run forward brandon Savino no. would still be on the pitch theoretically maybe i don't know maybe they 
I don't know. Maybe the the tweet author was saying Michael or Brandon wouldn't be on the pitch if Michael was still on. Maybe, maybe that maybe maybe that may be what maybe they're saying. That's yeah. The yeah. argument. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. that might be the argument there. Um, another uh, comment from Noel who disagrees and thinks I think the team struggled defensively without Michael Bradley communication was lacking, but we did see John, Sean Johnson step up in that area and was clearly moving everyone around attacking wise. We looked okay, but I don't think we score if Bradley was on at that point. So another sort of another Bradley, we don't score if Bradley's on maybe because he thinks Servania might've been off or maybe hmm. a, a situation where he just doesn't think that the same connective passes would have been made. Um, that is another point. And then we've got a third that kind of kind of encapsulates both. Uh, friend of the show, Rachel Doria, just saying both. Better in some parts, worse in others. Losing the ball in the midfield, more noticeable, not as common. Organized, very evident when defending, and a lack of communication. Better in terms of fluidity, movement, speed going forward. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of the things that you talked about, Mike, were, were in part encapsulated in some of the comments here. Overall, look, Michael Bradley is still going to have a large mm-hmm. role to play on this team. He is probably going to start the majority of the games this season anyway. You know, if he's fit for this coming weekend in Philadelphia, I, you know, he's probably he's back starting. into the – he's starting, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think there's a, just is a situation where he had a knock and he, and he sat. Um, but uh, overall, I, I think, you know, I wouldn't read too. I mean, it's good to see that the team can still play and not look lost without him. I think that's a big 100%. Thing. Yeah. 100%. Sorry. I, I, I uh, you know, it was really nice to see the, the father, son, Bradley, like looking over all the playbooks and the iPads over that, there, like yeah. a proper father, son, power coaching duo. That was pretty awesome to see. It's like somebody um, was job shadowing. Yeah, he was. I mean, bring your bring your son to work day. Uh, it was it was it was nice to see. I'm not. I don't want to accelerate it because unlike the lion's share of TFC fandom, I still think he's got a lot to give us on the pitch. Um, and I think that you know his final act may be naming his successor and bringing his successor into speed into what he does. And perhaps it's just that he hasn't chosen one yet. Um, so I do. I I definitely think that there's way more to see that but Michael Bradley can give us on the pitch but oh my god did he ever look good on the sidelines I'm telling you it like there was a part of me that was just like holy crap this is great I could oh. I could really get into this Richie Larry was saying after the match that he could mm-hmm. hear Michael Bradley from the sidelines like almost just as much as he could hear him on the pitch like it was pretty much the same mm-hmm. uh, ha- as having Michael Bradley on the pitch but just from the bench because Michael Bradley was so vocal Throughout the course you of the match, love to hear that. You absolutely love to hear that. I mean, <laughs> that is that is some stunning. People will, is some wonderful. people will not, right? Like, it, it, you know, the, some people think the Bradley sort of dynasty needs to end at the club, and we need to think differently. Some are going to be very happy that it looks like maybe we're looking at a potential heir apparent um, mm-hmm. in, in the coaching ranks at Toronto FC. Only the future will tell. Thank you, everybody, for participating in the burning question. Uh, that was really great. And obviously, I know people wanted us probably to talk about Michael Bradley a lot earlier. But let's be mm-hmm. honest, we've talked about Michael Bradley a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. eventually yeah. you just kind of like 
kind of sort of uh, hit your points and move on. Uh, but we'll mm -hmm. wrap up the show uh, for this week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. We will be back next Monday evening recapping Toronto FC's tough road match against Philadelphia. There's TFC is about to go into a very, very tough stretch of games yeah. yep. right between Oof. Philadelphia, NYCFC, and New England. Uh, a tough three-match stretch here where, you know, uh, we're going to have some more questions about how this team has started, whether you think of the... Not a bad time to face Philly, though. Not a true, because they're a point behind the truth. Right yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you think you I mean, figure they're going to figure it out at some point. Yeah, just I think we might Saturday. figure it out before them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. knock on all the. I you know, the, the, my big takeaway from this match is that this team feels really close to figuring something out. Mm -hmm. It it does, you know, for better oh. or worse. I don't know what that is, but it feels like the culmination. You know, just like we've evolved and we've got a you know somewhat a, a title sponsor for for burning questions that feels like this team is evolving uh shout out know, next door that was my segue shout, shout out. out next door um, no but just just to wrap it up just quickly and mm -hmm. this could be just a glass half full way of looking at things tfc defensively this year absolutely outstanding one of the best teams outstanding in Major League Soccer, outstanding. right yep. especially mm -hmm. when you consider the amount of big chances that this team has conceded it's not very many it's very relieving to actually watch it now the problem has been creating opportunities creating consistent scoring chances maybe it's glass half full but you got to think that they're having lorenzo insigne injecting him into the side automatically helps improve yep. <laughs> the amount of scoring chances that your team can can create on a weekly basis that's what as richie larea said after the match the best player in major league soccer when he's on his game that's what he has to do and mm -hmm. as much as we've talked about tfc and bernadeski and larea just creating down that right hand side and that's all that tfc have done so far during this stretch adding Insigne onto the left-hand side, the hope is that him and Petretta replicate some of that relationship. And now you have a right side going and you have a left side going. And subsequently what that could also do is that could free up room down your right-hand side for even Lorea and Bernadeschi even some more. So maybe that's a mm -hmm. really positive way of looking at it, but it does Love feel it. like if they can continue and maintain this form defensively, which it seems like they can, offensively they'll maybe not figure it out to the way that a lot of people want them to because obviously the burning desires for this team to get into a number nine and i'm not sure that's really going to happen anytime soon but at least improve that margin that they have mm -hmm. when it comes to these matches where if you're creating you know an extra two three scoring chances a game you're taking one more of those scoring chances that could be the difference between drawing 2-2 two -two and winning 3-2, right? Yep. And maybe that that's a 2 nothing goal as opposed to a 1-1 a one -one goal. Who knows? Yeah. But maybe that's just a really positive way of thinking about well, it. Well, either way, you yeah. know, you're hoping that is the case because they got to start turning these draws into wins to really start getting themselves up the table um, right now sitting in the final play-in spot. Uh, to and start you got to bury your penalty kicks. 
Yeah. Oh, wait, this isn't an Arsenal podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a favor to ask, a new favor to ask for our Toronto Till I Die listeners. Give Next Door Canada a follow on Twitter at Next Door Canada and join the Toronto FC fan group on Next Door if you're already on the app. If you're not, as we said before, download it from the App Store or at nextdoor.ca. Uh, for Jeffrey P. Nesser, for Michael Singh, I'm Mike Newell. See you next week, all. Cheers. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.